When you run an online business, your marketing metrics will tell you what in your business is profitable and where you're throwing money away. Yikes. That's pretty important, right? Luckily, I've put together the Ultimate Marketing Metrics Checklist, which is a free resource that will guide you through tracking and analyzing the most crucial metrics for your business. And let me tell you, I'm going to keep it simple but effective. From evergreen data and revenue generation to podcast metrics and social media growth, this cheat sheet will cover it all. It's the exact one my team and I use to track our metrics on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. Let me be honest here. This wasn't an overnight process win for me. It took me 10 years to build this comprehensive list and get it just right. But you, my friend, can start using it today, tailoring it to suit your business-specific needs, but not having to start from scratch like I did. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just getting started, this cheat sheet will help you make informed decisions as you grow your business and empower you to move forward confidently. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics to get your hands on the ultimate marketing metrics cheat sheet now. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics. You're listening to the online marketing made easy podcast episode number 39. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hey there, Amy Porterfield here, and welcome to another edition of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. I know you have many options when it comes to listening to great podcasts, and I'm honored that you've chosen mine. So I don't take that lightly and I really, truly appreciate it. Now, you probably won't hear it, but I hear it very loud. My dog Gus is panting like a wild dog in the background because I just went outside and threw the ball with him for a while. And let me tell you something. I know I'm a wimp when it comes to weather because I was born and raised in Southern California, but we are experiencing a crazy heat wave and I might die. It is crazy hot here, really, really humid, which I'm not used to. I know I'm a complete wimp with weather. I am. But the thing is, Gus has to get outside a few times a day. So we went outside. I threw the ball. He didn't even last like 10 minutes max. And we came back in and I was super excited about that because it's way too humid out there. So anyway, he's sitting next to me at my feet, panting really, really loud. But I'm going to guess you probably can't hear it. So today's episode is a really good one. I'm excited about this one going to be a little bit more off the cuff. You know me, I try to keep it really streamlined and not a lot of ums or uh or shuffling around in my podcast. But this one, you might hear a little bit more of that because I have a lot to share and I have my outline like I always prepare my podcast. But there's some things just off the cuff I want to share with you about a recent experience I had. And that recent experience is that I just finished creating a three-part video series That's going to be like the pre-launch to my final launch of my Facebook Marketing Profit Lab program, which is my signature program. I launch it twice a year. We're going into our final launch of the year. And this time I wanted to do something different. And to be really specific, I wanted to add more value and more content to the launch sequence, meaning that if you buy or don't buy, you still walk away from my whole launch with some really great, valuable content. So that's my goal for this three-part video series I just created. The thing is, so much of the entire process of creating these three videos 
was brand new to me. I did something kind of like this a few years back, but not at the level that I just did it. And because I've learned so much from Jeff Walker, if you don't know Jeff Walker, you've got to check out episode 31 that I did. So amyporterfield.com forward slash just the number 31. And that's where I interviewed Jeff Walker. He's got this great book all about creating a launch sequence with videos. And because I've learned so much from him, I knew that I could do such a better job this time around than a few years back. So I upped my game, changed the entire process of putting together this three-part video series, and I'm really excited to launch it. Now, the reason why this is a little bit off the cuff is I wasn't planning on recording this episode. I had another one in the can, but I thought, you know what? This is really timely. Literally, my launch starts tomorrow, which would be, let's see here, September 16th, which is the first video that comes out. Now, it doesn't matter when you're listening to this, but I tell you that because we're literally kicking off the three-part video series tomorrow. And because of that, so much of the experience of creating these videos and creating my launch with the videos is very fresh in my mind. There were a lot of takeaways from the whole creation of this launch, especially the videos and some mistakes I made along the way and some concerns I had. And I thought this would be a perfect time just to turn on the mic and share with you what I just experienced because I would love for you to explore a three-part video sequence the next time you promote something. And listen, it doesn't have to be a big ticket item. It can be a product, a program, a service. That part doesn't matter. What really matters is that you get really clear on the message that you want to relate inside of your videos. So what I've done is that I have broken up this episode into seven different takeaways seven different valuable tips and strategies that I can give you so that you can hit a home run when you start to create a video series around, let's say, a promotion that you're doing. But a few things I wanted to share with you before we get into those seven takeaways is that the first thing is, as I mentioned, I wanted to create more value as I went into my final launch of the year. And specifically, I wanted to create a bigger connection with my audience. I wanted to appear more personable because sometimes I'm all business and I know that about myself. So I really push myself to come out of my comfort zone and share things that I wouldn't normally share in, let's say, a business setting, because I think that's extremely important when you're doing business online. So for this video series, I took people deep inside my business, shared my mindset around starting my business, really shared some stories about what my business looked like in those early years. A lot of the details that I think are important to hear when you're learning from somebody that's already done what you want to do. So I wanted just to open up the kimono kind of thing and to share with you some of the details of how I've built my business and how I came about using Facebook as a huge lead generator and a profit generator for my business and how I teach it today so that my students can experience the success I've seen. So that's the whole point of this video. All videos were direct to camera, meaning it was me. I wasn't behind a webinar like I usually am. And so it was more raw and just real. Also, I will say that this three-part video series is like the pre-launch before I get into what I usually do, which are live webinars. So I will still do free content-rich, really action-packed live webinars during my launch sequence over the next few weeks. So that's going to stay the same. And the reason that's staying the same is I am a firm believer to continue to do what's working. I rarely just start from scratch and reinvent the wheel and throw out things that I've tried before that have actually worked for me. I continue to perfect what's worked. 
So the webinars, they're staying. I'm doing them. I've perfected my webinar this time around. I've made it even better. And so that is a huge part of the launch. But before I open the doors for people to register for my webinars, I'm going to release this three-part video series. And my hope is to add just a whole nother layer of value and relationship to my promotion because that is very important to me. And as I mentioned earlier, if people buy or they don't buy, I still want them to walk away from an experience with me thinking, wow, that was really valuable. I really got something from that. and I'm going to apply it and get results from my business, whether they paid a penny for it or not. So that part was important to me as well. I tell you all this because I think it's important you hear why I'm adding another layer to my launch that has been so successful and has only grown every single time I've done it. That part is locked in. I feel like I really have my groove with that. However, I think it's important that we push ourselves, step out of our comfort zone, do things that make us uncomfortable. And that's what this three-part video series did. I was very, very uncomfortable the whole time, the whole process. I'm just going to admit it. And I'll get into some specifics in those seven takeaways that I'm going to share with you. But yes, it was uncomfortable. And when it's really uncomfortable to me, I know I have to do it. And that's what really moved me forward to trying something new with this upcoming launch. So first, I hope you love the video series, but really this episode is to help you in case you too want to create a video series for your next big promotion or launch or program products or service, whatever it is that you're doing. All right, so let's break it down. Like I said, I broke it down into seven different areas and I'm going to name the seven areas, then I'll go deep into each one. The first one is I'm going to talk to you about the flow of each of the three videos that I did. I'm going to talk to you about why I chose the sequence that I did and how that all came together. So we'll talk about the flow of the three videos. The second thing I want, and again, you're going to hear some papers wrestling, okay? The second thing I want to talk to you about is the details about the video crew I used, who I used, why I used them, and what I've done in the past when I didn't have as big of a budget. So in case you're just starting out, I want to make this episode relevant to you as well. And if you have a small budget, I'm going to give you some other options that I've used in the past. All right. So number three is we're going to talk scripts. I'll share with you what the process looked like in terms of creating outlines and scripts for each of the videos. Number four, I'll share with you details about the location I used to film all these videos and what I've done in the past when my budget was tight and I didn't have anywhere else to film. So I'm going to give you some details about that. Fifth, I want to share some details about the support I had around me while I was filming all three videos. This is something kind of new. It's something I discovered along the way, and I think that you'll find it valuable as well. Six, I'm going to touch on lessons I learned about interacting with the video crew and some of the mistakes I made that I don't want you to make as well. So I'm going to talk to you about how I interacted with them and how I would do it differently next time. And finally, I will touch a bit on the mindset component behind this whole video creation experience, because at the end of the day, it really comes down to how we mentally approach it all and how we set ourselves up to win. I think it's important that we talk about confidence issues, feeling uncomfortable in front of the camera, just feeling uncomfortable with the whole process of creating these videos and the little tricks to get beyond those feelings, because here's the deal. I think we rarely discuss things like this, the feelings, the confidence issues, 
behind creating something new and something so raw and real where you're putting yourself out there. And I really think that a lot of those emotions or feelings are right there at the surface for so many of us, but we just don't talk about it. So my goal is to really dive into that, share with you some of the issues that I had and how I overcame them. So that is what we are talking about today. Are you ready? Good stuff? Okay. So I'm going to grab my notes because we're coming back here and we are diving into one. Let me just get them organized. Let's just do it. You want to know something crazy about me? Like doing the shuffling and getting everything in order that that's what I want to edit out. I'm not going to. It's weird, right? Am I crazy? I just like it to be really streamlined for you. And I think you don't need to hear about me shuffling my papers and getting organized. But you know, this one, like I said, there's going to be little editing because of the time frame of when I want to get it out. So you've got real and raw. There you go. Okay. So really silly. I know. I'm, I know I'm crazy with not wanting to add in shuffled paper, whatever. All right. So let's talk about that first takeaway I, I told you about, which was the flow of my videos. So again, there's three videos and truly genuinely, the goal is not to sell in these three videos. The goal is to be more personal with you, to invite you into my world, share with you how I built my business, and then really teach you something so you walk away with value. In addition, there is a component of selling, but it's in a way that I tell stories of other people who have gotten success. So it's not all about me and it's not all about my program. And that's really important to remember when you're creating your video sequence. Now, I'm going to tell you about how I broke down each video, but you do not need to do it exactly the same. Definitely, there's so many different options. I encourage you to get Jeff Walker's book, Launch, because it will help you understand what goes into the videos. But I wanted to share with you what I decided to do. So with video number one, I am telling my story of building my business. And a lot of what's in video one, I've shared in pieces here and there. I tell a story of the big pivotal moment that made me think I must start my own business. This was while I was still at Tony Robbins. So I tell that story, but I get into more detail than I ever have before. And I also share in video one, some of the big decisions I had to make and some of the roadblocks that came my way. Like one little thing I share is that I never, ever thought I would be an entrepreneur. It's not that I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. It's that that just wasn't even in my mind. Like I always thought that I would be a vice president or a CEO of a corporation. That's where I was headed. And I was happy with that. So going out on my own was a crazy thought, but something happened in my life that I thought, holy cow, I've got to try this. So I tell that story and I get into the details. I share a story about my husband, Hobie. I have little snippets of Cade, my son, in the videos. I think you even see Gus in one of the videos. So what I do in video one is I just invite you in and I just want to share with you some of the mindset struggles that were included in my life when I was starting my business. To me, that's important. So in video one, I talk about the seven steps I use for a Facebook marketing plan because in video one, I also talk about how I overcame some of these obstacles and what I did to start producing revenue in my business after I struggled for those first few years. So I relate it back to business, but the main goal is, hey, let me open up a little bit more and tell you about where I'm coming from because my hope is that you can relate and that you find inspiration in my story and that it gives you a little bit of that extra 
it gets you re-energized to want to actually keep moving forward because if you're struggling at all anywhere in your business, believe me, you're not alone. And I want to show you how I overcame that. So that's all video one. Very, very personal. And it made me very uncomfortable because it was just kind of me on camera just sharing these stories. So that's what I did for video one. Video two is where I taught. I thought I need to make this about them even more. So in video two, I teach the first step of my seven step process. And the first step happens to be how to create an irresistible giveaway so that you can set the foundation for building your email list and making more money on Facebook. So to me, it all starts with a lead magnet, that irresistible giveaway. So I literally walk through step-by-step how to do it, give you examples of such lead magnets that work really well. I mean, I go in detail. So it's full-on training in video two. And then in video three, that's where I start to share stories of inspiration, what other people have done when they finally created a Facebook strategy or a Facebook plan around their business. And I share stories of people that have gone through my program. So obviously, it's, n- it's no big secret that the three-part video series leads to introducing my program, Facebook Marketing Profit Lab. However, I do it in a way to make sure that you see if the program is right for you, if you can see value in it based on where you are in your life and in your business. The best way I know to do that is to share other stories of people that have gone through the program. There's a woman that is in essential oils that had her first $23,000 webinar after taking the Profit Lab. Or there's a college basketball coach who completely left his job as a teacher and coach and started his own business and started to see huge results once he started to apply the plan. So there's people that are at every different level, all walks of life that have applied it. But again, I don't go into buy my program, buy my program. And instead I tell stories. And that's what's really important. My good friend, Melanie Duncan watched the videos and she said, you know, these are fantastic. I really think you did a good job. And one thing I wrote back to her was that I'm so proud of these videos because they're really honest. Like there's no hype in them. And there's no big marketing strategies or promotions. And I tell you this not to say, go watch my videos. I tell you this because that felt really good. So you'll know when you hit a home run, when you're done with your video series and you think that really felt honest to me. I just put it all out there. I told great stories. I invited people in. I shared something of value so people could learn and take action. That's what you want to feel when you create something like this. Because one, when you're really happy with the results, you will have no problem telling everybody about it. You know, it's just the kind of the principle of everything in life. When we're proud of what we do, we can talk about it with conviction. And so that's why I wanted to make this podcast episode to help you get to that point where you feel really good when you create something like this. So that's kind of the flow of each of the three videos. Now, I will say that if you want to follow along, which I would love for you to do so, it's a little bit of a limited time kind of thing. So when you do a three-part video series, usually you have a start date and an end date, meaning these videos won't live on where people can get them at any time during the year. So if you're listening to this before October 6th, 2014, you will be able to see the videos. You can go to amyporterfield.com forward slash free training. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. 
However, if it's after October 6th, you'll have to sign up to get the next big alert when we go live with the videos. We'll, we'll release them again, but we're only keeping them live till October 6th. And I tell you that because if you're doing the same thing, if you're going to create a video strategy like this, you want to create that scarcity. And it's not false scarcity like you better watch it or you'll never be able to buy again. It's not about that. It's that human nature is that if we have a deadline, we take action sooner. If we never close the videos, people will want to get to them. They'll have good intentions, but we know life gets in the way. And I feel so strongly that these videos could change people's businesses that I want them to take action. I want to create a little scarcity so they kind of jump up and think, okay, I'm going to watch these because I know they're going away. And that's what I want you to do as well for your video series, because that scarcity makes a huge difference in human nature in terms of what your audience does with the content that you put out there. Really, really important. Okay. So that's number one, the flow of the videos. The second thing I wanted to share with you was about my video crew. So for this shoot, I hired a film crew that I've never worked with in the past, but my peers and those in my mastermind have worked with them a lot and they've gotten some great results, like beautiful videos. This crew is really experienced and they've done some amazing things. They used to work with National Geographic and ad sales. So they've just worked with some really big brands and have done amazing things. What I love about the crew I worked with is that they're storytellers and they just know how to get a story out of you and weave it through a video. And to me, that was really, really important. Now, the name of the crew that I used was Rainy Media. So I'll link to their website in my show notes, just so you can get a feel. Now, I'll tell you, this was a bigger budget shoot than I've ever done. I was at the point in my business where it was time to up my game. I haven't always done big productions with my videos. So I'll talk to you in a minute about doing smaller productions if your budget is still smaller and you need to be able to do some great things, but not put out a lot of cash to do so. So we'll talk about that in a moment. But specifically, I want to tell you about my crew because I get a lot of questions about that. So it was made up of three guys. I mean, it could have been women. It just happened to be three guys. And one was the producer. Another was behind the camera. And then the other one was in charge of audio. Now they kind of changed positions and kind of worked in different areas throughout the entire two days that they were with me. But that's really what I saw, three different positions going on at any given time. Now, as I mentioned, this was a two-day shoot. We have three videos. These guys are from Canada. Shout out to all my Canadians. And so they came down from Canada and spent two days with me, full, full days going through all the, the video shoots and getting a lot of B-roll and all that good stuff. So that's the makeup of the video crew that I used. Again, much bigger than I've used in the past. Now, I also use a local crew. I just didn't use them this time because I was trying something new and I, I got some recommendations from my mastermind. But I do use a local crew that does a lot of the same things that Rainy Media did. So I want to give them a shout out too, because I've been using a local crew for years now. The name of that company is Pure Cinema Productions. Again, I'll link to them in the show notes. And they're local to San Diego, but they too travel just like Rainy Media did where they came from Canada to San Diego. So both crews travel and both crews actually work on your storyboarding and they work on the flow of the videos, meaning that Dean, who is the owner of Rainy Media, he was on the phone with me three or four times before we actually met to shoot. 
He would look over my scripts. We would talk about the outlines. He would, you know, pull out stories from me that I didn't even know I had in me. So we did a lot of work up front. Now, again, you don't have to do it that way, but that's just my experience with this shoot. Now, backing up a bit, I need to tell you that my first four years of doing video look nothing like how I did this whole big video series this time. So when I first started that first year, I did video on my own, meaning I turned on the Mac camera on my Mac laptop and shot videos. That's how I did it. And then probably second, third, fourth year, that's when I started to use just a one man crew, meaning I hired a guy to actually come and shoot my videos. We use natural lighting. We did it at my condo that I lived in at the time. And that's how we did my videos. And then from there, that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to up my game and do this at a bigger level. Now, if I just need to do a quick video for my blog or a quick video for my member site, I'll still just do a one-man shoot. But because I did this three-part video series and it was part of something so much bigger, that's why I decided to invest the time and energy into doing it like this. So there's so many different options here. I just wanted to share with you how I used a crew to create this three-part video series. My advice to you is to do what you can with what you have, meaning don't think that you can't create something spectacular on a small budget. It might not look exactly how I've done mine, but it could make just as big of an impact. So don't limit yourself because you think your budget is much smaller. Believe me, we've all been there. And this is so much of a growth kind of cycle where when you continue to do videos like you're doing them now, and you start to sell more programs, products, or services, that's when you up your game. That's the way to do it. So just be patient with yourself because I've been at every level. So I totally get it. Just be patient with yourself. Okay. So the third area I want to talk to you about is the creation of my scripts. Cause this is a question I get asked all the time. How do I write my scripts? What process do I use? You know what that all looks like. So here's what I did in terms of video one, two, and three. With video number one, we did not use any scripts. Instead, remember how I said Dean got on the phone with me and we talked about stories and in different situations I've been in as I built my business? We talked about that. He would ask me questions. He would take notes. I would take notes. And from there, the goal was just to create a series of questions that Dean could ask me on camera so that I started to share a story off the cuff. He wanted it more natural. He didn't want me to read word for word. He just wanted to hear from my own words in the moment about different situations in my life as I built my business. Now, what turns out, what you'll see in video number one is that Dean's not on camera. He's asking me questions. They're filming me answering the questions, and then they put a montage together. So it's really cool how we did that because you'll see it's just really broken up into different stories and situations that I share through a series of questions that Dean asked me. Now, we worked on the questions in advance, meaning, you know, tell me a little bit about your business. What did business look like before you started to see success? Why did you leave corporate? Um, What was the pivotal moment that made you decide you wanted to start your own business? What did your family think of that? All these different things came out during the interview, and then he chose the best pieces and snippets and put them together. So that's video one. Video two, again, remember I mentioned it's all about training. So I did write a script for video two because I wanted to make sure I really hit on all the main points of how to teach you how to create an irresistible giveaway that lead magnet. So video two 
was scripted. And remember, scripted is not bad. Scripted just means that I actually put more thought and time into making sure I chose the words wisely to make sure that you got value out of the time you spent with me on that video. So don't think that scripted versus non-scripted, one is better than the other. It just depends on your goal and what you want to get from that video. Now, video three was scripted as well, meaning I had a script and that I read it as I actually introduced my case studies and talked about, you know, the opportunities in the course. Now, video two and video three, there are moments in each of those videos where we stopped and I went off the cuff, off the cuff, meaning that Dean saw something in me that just wasn't working in the script. And he wanted me to just talk about it more naturally or from my heart in that moment. So sometimes that's needed. So my tip for you here is to be flexible. When you're making these videos, whether you have a producer telling you to do something or you just know in your gut something's not working right, you need to stop, reevaluate in the moment and think, how could I say this differently to really make sure I'm making the impact I want to make? So flexibility and allowing yourself to change direction during the video shoot is just really important. So let me give you an example. In video three, like I said, it's scripted. And I'll tell you about what I used in order to read my script. I used a teleprompter. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But I was reading from a teleprompter from the very beginning of video three. And for about 30 minutes, we tried to record the intro of video three. And it just wasn't coming off as natural as I wanted it to. It was in my own words because I wrote it. But when I said it, We just knew something was off. And I can't even explain what that something is. You just know in that moment. So Dean stopped the teleprompter and said, Amy, talk to me right now. Tell me what you're trying to say. And I said, what I want to talk to people about is that it's really clear that those first few years of starting your business are really tough. There's a lot, a lot of work that goes into it. And that hard work's not going to stop us, but we can't pretend like it's not there. So when I started to explain it to him, he's like, that's what I need you to say. I'm turning off the teleprompter. Just talk to me. And so we went with the whole first part of video three with no teleprompter because it just wasn't coming out right. So you want to have that flexibility. But let's talk about the teleprompter. You might be surprised to know that I only started to use a teleprompter about a year ago. For years, I memorized pieces of the script, meaning days before my video guy would come over, I would have the script. He laughs at me now when we talk about this because he's like, remember when you used to memorize all of these? So we would have the script and then I would memorize chunks of it. So I might memorize, you know, one big fat paragraph. And then once that was memorized, I'd go on to the next. And I would do this for like two days before I'd actually film. I did this because I wasn't comfortable with a teleprompter. One, I didn't even have a teleprompter at the time. But two, I'd used one in the past with Tony Robbins and I just wasn't comfortable with it. And I felt like I had crazy eyes. So I dismissed that and I would memorize. That was a really bad idea because I wasted a lot of days I could be more productive doing other things. I thought I was being smart with that. Now looking back, it wasn't the best decision I ever made. The best investment I ever made was in the teleprompter. So now that I have a teleprompter, it just allows me to make sure I get out what I really want to say and allows me to do the homework up front. You probably already know this about me, but I'm I'm a planner. I'm a researcher. I like to do the homework up front to really nail it when I do it live or whatever it is I'm doing. So that part's important to me. Having a teleprompter allows me to really do the homework up front and get out what I want to say in a succinct manner that makes sense and adds value and doesn't waste your time. 
So I'm going to give you the teleprompter that I use. It's called the Pro Prompter HDI Pro 2. I will link to it in the show notes. So the show notes will be at amyporterfield.com forward slash 39, just the number 39. Now, my friend Michael Hyatt is the one who suggested this teleprompter to me, and I love it. I think it's fantastic. What I will say is it's pricey. It's over $1,000, and I've gotten great use out of it. I use it all the time, so it was worth it to me. But if that's not something in your budget, that's not the only teleprompter out there. Now, it uses an iPad, which of course doesn't come with the teleprompter, so I put my iPad in there, and I write my scripts in a Google Doc. Then I pull that Google Doc up on my iPad. I use an app on the iPad that turns that script into a moving teleprompter where the words are moving on the screen. So again, the Pro Prompter HDI Pro 2, I'll link to it in the show notes. Now, Pat Flynn also recommended a teleprompter to me. So Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income, I was talking to him about what he uses And he uses an Icon Corporation Elite iPad teleprompter kit. I think it's Icon, or it might be ICAN, I-K-A-N. I'll link to that in the show notes as well, but it's about half the price of the one that Michael and I have. So if you want to save money, which I'm all about it, I think both of them are really good options. I think I had talked to Michael before I talked to Pat, so I just went with the Michael recommendation. But I'm all about saving money. So each one of them I think are really great. And I'm pretty sure that each one of them will allow a remote control foot pedal, meaning like if the screen's going too fast, you could click on the foot pedal to slow it down. I think both of them offer that option. I'm pretty sure you have to buy it separately, but just something to look into. Okay, so we are going on. Let's see here. Number four In this step, I guess you could call it in this area, I want to share with you details about the location I used for shooting my videos. And this might seem like a silly thing or not very important to bring up, but it really is. It makes a huge difference. So when I lived at my condo, I would shoot my shorter videos there. So if I was going to do a, just a quick video for my member site or for my blog, I would just shoot them there in my family room. And that was great. It wasn't the greatest place to film really big, well-produced videos. And so when I would do those videos before I bought this house here, I would do a few things. One, I have rented a hotel room for just a night. So I'd get the hotel room for the day and night and I would shoot videos there. So if I wanted better quality, a better production, maybe a little bit more interesting backgrounds, I would do it at a nice hotel. I would try to do it during the week when there wasn't a holiday coming up, so it was a lot cheaper. But that actually helped me because I could get three, four, five different videos in if I was batching in different areas of the hotel room, especially if they had like a little family room attached or something like that. So I just would do that at a hotel in San Diego, and that worked really well for me. The thing is, I will tend to pay for a location if I know the videos will generate revenue. If the videos aren't going to directly generate revenue, then I'll scale down my production. Another thing I've done is I've rented space at a co-working space in San Diego. Hera Hub is the one I've used, but there's a bunch of different ones where you can rent a room at a co-working space, which are getting really popular right now. And so you can film a few videos there. It might be as simple as they just have a white background, but sometimes when you have a dog at home and a baby at home and your husband or wife are coming in and out, it could drive you crazy. So if you just need the silence and you just want a, a place where you can unplug and just focus on video creation, Some of these co-working spaces that allow you to rent time there are a great solution. So just wanted to tell you that. So for this shoot, though, I used my home. 
you've probably heard me talk about it, that we just moved into a brand new home after many, many years of living in our condo. So I wanted to really just be at home with these videos. And doing them at home really was cool because I felt at ease. I could get up, get ready in the morning and get ready for the video shoot just in my own home and then walk downstairs and we would shoot. And that was really cool. So if that works for you, I highly recommend it. Um, No matter how big or small your house is, if it's something that you think could lend itself to really interesting videos and you could feel comfortable and it was quiet enough, then definitely try to do it at your home. You save money and you can feel more at ease. What I will say is some of the videos we shot outside and every time a plane flew by, we had to stop. And in San Diego, there's a lot of planes coming into the San Diego airport. And although I'm not in a flight path, you would think I was that day because I think we stopped like a hundred times. Again, you just got to be flexible. So that was one issue we had. And then the, the gardener, this was great. The gardener next door, he started in and it was so loud that Travinia, my assistant, actually went over there and said in her sweetest voice possible, can you give us 20 minutes? Which is really awkward to ask a gardener that's trying to get his job done. I totally agree. We were down to the last video, the last hour before we lost the light outside. So we had to get it done. So he was great, but sometimes you got to get a little bit creative in that sense because you're going to hear sounds outside that you wouldn't have even expected. So anyway, those are some things we had to deal with. Okay. Number five, I want to share some details about the support I had while filming the videos. And this is actually something good to do, whether you're doing a big production like I did or a smaller production. And this is something I've never done before that I will always do moving forward. And that is that I had some members of my team with me while I was filming. Now, it just so happened that Travinia came down from Colorado. So she was there, my assistant, and she's taking more of a project manager role. So she's really involved in so much more. So it was perfect to have her down. But also Gina, who also project manages the Profit Lab launch, she lives in San Diego. So she came by the house the day I was filming as well. Why this is important is because when you're filming, you are really focused on a script or what you want to say. The guy or girl behind the camera is really focused on what the actual frame looks like and and making sure the audio is coming in right in the video. No one's really focusing on making sure that you're saying things that you really want to make sure you say, meaning you might say them a little awkward. The video person doesn't catch it. You're in the moment, so you don't catch it. And now you have this on camera where you can't go back and fix it. And we had a really unique situation where, not unique, kind of funny, where I was filming video number one and I was talking about my husband, Hobie, and the fact that when I was still working at Tony Robbins, that first year that Hobie and I got married, I was on the road. I swear it was like 60 or 70% of my time. And I was saying that makes for a really awkward first marriage. And what I meant was first year of marriage. But it sounded like Hobie was like my first husband and I was moving on to number two soon or something. So Gina's like, whoa, 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 we need to record that whole thing again. You sound like you're moving on to multiple husbands soon. So it was just a little thing, but it was nice because I would have never caught it. Dean didn't catch it either. So it was great that Gina, who knows me, knows my story, was able to catch it. Having a, I guess, third set of ears only focused on the content you're putting out there is extremely valuable. Also, there was things I missed or forgot to say that Gina picked up on right away because she was looking at my notes and she had me go back and re-record some of that. So if you can have anybody there, even if they don't know your content well, you can give them an outline and have them check to make sure you're 
actually going down the row of content you want to make sure that you talk about. So that was actually good. Plus, you might have saved my marriage. Who knows? So number six is I want to touch on lessons I learned about interacting with the video crew while you're filming your videos. And this is especially important when you have a limited time to do videos and you can't easily just go back and fix something. The camera crews in Canada, we had, you know, the whole setup here. It would not have been easy for me to go back and just fix things if I didn't like something that I saw in the video. And you know you have a great crew when they are constantly asking you if you want to check out the shot before you actually dive into the content. So they'll set it up. They'll say, okay, you want to see what you look like in this shot. They'll take a picture, turn the camera around, show it to you, that kind of thing. And I had an excellent crew. So Dean and his guys, they constantly allowed me to check out the shots and and give my feedback and let them know what I was concerned about. So that was great. However, it's my personality to be that pleaser sometimes. And I don't like to be a diva. So I don't want to pick apart every different shot and I don't want to get in their way. I mean, I hired them for their creativity and skill and knowledge. So I really like to let people that I hire just run with it and let them do what they're great at. But I tend to be quieter than I feel that I want to be inside. So I wanted to speak up more. They gave me the opportunity to speak up more, but I didn't. And I tell you this because you might sometimes have those situations where you're just trying to go with the flow. You don't want to be difficult. However, I probably should have spoke up more because when I got the videos back, there's a few angles that I just didn't love. I didn't think they were flattering. If I'm going to be totally honest in vain right now, I, I don't love how I looked throughout all the videos. That wasn't the crew's fault. That was mine because they gave me a million opportunities to look at things and I just kind of passed half the time. So next time I do it, I'm going to be more vocal and I'm going to look at the shots more and just make sure, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I want. And that is your responsibility, your pain for this production. And this is your brand. So some of you are laughing at me thinking, oh, I don't have any problem speaking up, Amy. And I envy you. I wish I was more vocal in that way. So I need to get more vocal because it's my responsibility for my business. And if you look at it that way, it's a little bit easier to speak up. Plus, if you speak up more, you're giving your camera crew more opportunity for footage that they can play with in the editing process. Because I didn't like some of the angles, it took out a huge chunk of different shots that we could use while they were editing, which makes editing tougher. So I know they would have liked for me to speak up more if I had an opinion about this or that. So this is something I learned that I wanted to share with you. Interact with your film crew as much as you can. Look at the shots in advance. Make sure you're really comfortable with each of them. It will save you time, money, effort, and your camera crew will appreciate it in the editing process. Okay, we're coming up on the final one. And the final one has to do with mindset. And specifically, and this is where I'm just going to put it out there, it has to do with being comfortable in your own skin on camera. And in full transparency, I'm not always totally comfortable. I see a video and I don't always love what I see. And this is just my demons, I guess, things that I have to work through. And I think that we are all our harshest critic. And I tell you this because Although I love the videos, I'm so excited for you to see them. But there's some things in the videos that I don't particularly love. Specifically, I think I look like I have too much makeup on. And I don't wear a lot of makeup, but I hired a woman to come in to to do my makeup. And it just, on camera, I thought I liked it. I did look at those shots. But then when I was looking at it more, I thought, "Mm, I wish you could have pared that down a little bit. I should have spoke up and I didn't. Again, a learning lesson. 
However, it was just, I wasn't used to seeing myself like that because I don't wear a lot of makeup. So next time I'll just be more natural. But here's the deal. I'm not going to let that stop me from putting these videos out. If people don't want to watch my videos because they don't like my makeup, well, then they're sure as heck not going to want to buy my products because they're just not my right audience, right? I want people to not really judge me on how I look, but judge me on the amount of valuable content I put out there and the, the level at which I care and the compassion I put into everything that I do. That's what I want to be known for and what people to really kind of meet me and know about me. So I say all this because remember in a few podcasts back, I usually like to teach what I need to really instill in myself. And this was one of them. I had to get past those insecurities of, you know, not necessarily loving seeing me on camera that much. That was a little bit overwhelming. It was scary. And I'm nervous to do those kind of things because I'm just not used to them. I don't typically do big videos, like three video shoots like that. But my business means the world to me. Making an impact in people's businesses means the world to me, truly. And I'm not going to stop putting myself out there, even when I'm uncomfortable, because I, I don't like what my makeup looks like. I mean, in reality, I know that's crazy, but that some of the stuff that just kind of went through my head as I made these videos. And so here's my advice to you. And no matter what you do in your business, when you're uncomfortable, do a gut check. Are you uncomfortable in that moment because you are a little self-conscious or you're not totally comfortable in terms of what you're doing, meaning it's new to you, it's different? Or on the flip side, are you uncomfortable because it's just not the right direction for you? Those are two different conversations to have. I knew creating this really valuable, really vulnerable video series was the perfect direction that I wanted to go. So I had to say, put your insecurity aside, Amy, do it anyway. And that's my message to you. If you take anything, just one thing, I guess, if you take one thing from this episode today is when you feel uncomfortable because of any insecurities or fears or doubts, do it anyway. Not only will you be able to impact more lives, be able to grow a bigger business, make more money. I know it's not all about money, but money changes things dramatically, but you'll also feel really good that you accomplished something brand new. And I have this new sense of confidence. Like I can't even wait to do this again because I know that I can do it better and what I would change and how I'd you know, make it more creative. And all these things start flowing through my head about what I can't wait to do next time. And that's a really good sign. And that's what I want you to feel at the end of your video production as well. But again, remember, no matter how uncomfortable you might feel or insecure you might be in that moment, remember that other people have those same struggles. You're not alone and do it anyway. It's my biggest message of the day. Let's use that hashtag. Hashtag do it anyway. Because that's what makes a business thrive. That's what makes you build your confidence. And that is what will help you impact lives over and over again. So that's all I'll say about that. But it was a huge growth experience for me to just move past all that nervousness and uncomfortable feelings to get my message out, which I think really, really will make a big impact. So I encourage you definitely to check out the video series. Again, amyporterfield.com forward slash free training. Leave comments below. I want to hear about what you think of the videos. And I really hope that they inspire you. They re-energize you to keep moving forward in your business, no matter what struggles you come up against. And I hope you get some really good Facebook marketing tips to help you create a Facebook marketing plan that generates leads and profits, because that is definitely something 
that I can teach you how to do if you start putting these steps in motion. The first step is just to watch the videos. I think you'll be entertained and inspired and all that good stuff. So there you have it. As always, I hope you found great value in this episode. Sorry, it was a little bit more shaky, a little bit more off the cuff, but timing is of the essence. I wanted to get all of this out while it was fresh in my mind. And I truly hope that you have some takeaways now for the next time you create a series of videos or just one-off videos or you know, no matter how big or small, I think these takeaways can help you immensely. Thank you so very much for being here. You can find all the show notes at amyporterfield.com forward slash 39. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com. 